Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. My name is Lauren, and I am a part of the pit crew here, the preachers in training. Tim and Karen are out this morning because yesterday was what? Karen's birthday. Karen's birthday was yesterday. And Doug G said what? She turned 29? Probably 29. So they are celebrating her birthday with family, and then they are making off to Florida for some vineyard leadership meetings. So if you think about them, pray for them as they're traveling in the next couple days. So as you walked in, you should have received a worship packet. If you have your worship packet, wave it in the air so I know that you care. Yes, there we go. Inside your worship packet is a giving envelope. And so there are several ways that you can give here. If you want to go old school, you can give with the envelope that's inside the worship packet. There's also a way that you can give online. And we are now texting to give. So you can text any dollar amount to 84321. It's safe secure, and I like it because it's really convenient. And mostly it saves our church money. Yes, that is awesome. Yes, it saves our church money. So we're going to pass the buckets in a few moments. If those go by a little too quickly, there's a box in the back of the room that you can put those in as well. So let me pray for our offering and just ask the Lord to bless it. God, we pray that your blessing would be all over this place today. God, as we give over our resources and our finances, would we be reminded that, God, you are king over that? You are king and you are Lord over our money. You are king and Lord over our resources. And so we pray that you would multiply it. We pray that uh, it would go out into the community, that we would go out um, with what you are doing and calling us into with this church and this community. So in your strong and mighty name, amen. The people of God say, Amen. amen. Feel free to pass the buckets and turn your attention to the screens.
that one day when you were going about your very ordinary day and you received a phone call that changed your entire life. That one day when you were picking up your child from school and you got news that changed your life. That one day when the accident happened. That one day when your parents split up. That one day when the rejection took place. That one day when the pain started to hit you. You see, we all have these one day win moments. These one day win moments. That moment when something terrible happens. You receive news. You receive news uh, that changes your life. It was heartbreaking. It was painful. It was full of sorrow. That one day win moment. And for some of you in this room, you probably have many one day win moments. Many. When your hopes were shattered your dreams were dashed. And virtually everyone will sooner or later have a one-day win moment. If you're here today and you can't think of a one-day win moment, sooner or later one will come. Well, this morning we are going to take a look at an Old Testament character named Job. Oh boy, are you guys ready for this? Here we go, the book of Job. Well, Job was a man who thought about life the way we do. Because Job asked the question, why? Job asked that question a lot. And so he's going to guide us through how we deal with dreams that are shattered and hopes that are dashed. And so the narrative of Job will cause you to ask questions like, God, are you listening to me? God, are you hiding from my problems? God, do you even care about what's happening in my current world? God, are you silent? God, do you care? The narrative of Job will help us think about these questions. So you guys are familiar with Cracker Barrel, right? Who likes Cracker Barrel? Wow, lots of hands. Okay, you guys know that, that triangle game that sits at every table with the little pegs? Okay, that's a simple game. All right, it's pretty simple. Well, it's a little complex for me, okay? I often feel like an ignoramus because I can never leave just one peg left. I just can't. Well, the interpretation of the book of Job is often like that little game at Cracker Barrel because upon reading it, it can seem simple, but the longer you sit in it, it's challenging. The longer you sit in it and scrutinize over what the book of Job says, it is, it, it's hard. All right. And so um, as pit crew prayed and prepped about our time together this morning, we felt like we don't want to just exposit the book of Job chapter by chapter, verse by verse, because we felt like the Lord wanted to offer one thing this morning. And we felt like he wanted to offer comfort to our church this morning. And so if you're here, well, I pray that the Lord offers you some sweet amount of comfort today through the narrative of Job through this narrative, because every one of us knows at least one Job, right? Every one of us knows at least one Job. And for some of us, we are that Job. And you're here today, and you are that Job. So we're launching into a two-week series. I will be with you today and next week at 11 11 a.m. So I hope you come back (laughs) next week at 11. So let's pray, and let's just ask the Lord to come work. So God, we invite your Holy Spirit. We invite your presence. Lord, would you begin moving? 
Would you begin molding and shaping our hearts? Would we walk out of this building changed people, not because we muster enough human strength, but because of your Holy Spirit that changes us? And so thank you, God, for the grace that you are just giving us already. So in your strong and mighty name, the people of God say, amen. Well, if only that incident hadn't had happened, if only it hadn't happened, if only my parents hadn't gotten a divorce, if only the cancer hadn't worsened, if only it had not happened, if only it hadn't happened. You see, the pain we experience in life is almost too real, right? The grief goes so deep. It's so real and tangible. And so if you are taking notes this morning, this is our first, we're not doing fill-ins, there's just notes. If only that didn't happen. We're going to enter into chapter one of Job. Here we go. We enter into a meeting between God and Satan. God and Satan. And in their conversation, we discover a one-day-win moment is about to take place. Satan turns to God and says, God, your servant Job doesn't actually love you. Your servant Job only follows you and worships you because you give him health, wealth, and prosperity. But you take those things away from your servant Job, and Job will no longer follow you. In fact, he will curse you. God, Job will curse you. And Job was God's pride, delight, and joy. God deeply loved Job. He loved Job. And so Satan was clearly not impressed by this, but God doesn't have to prove anything to anyone. And so basically the next day, Job has the worst day ever, the worst day ever. And we see this in Job chapter one, verse 13. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, A messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby. And the Sabaeans attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. So here we see it. A one day win moment happens. A one day win moment happens. Job's livestock were attacked. Sheep were burned. Servants were killed. His camels were stolen and his children all died. A one-day-win moment just occurred. If only that hadn't happened. If only God had stopped it, right? And I'm sure some of you are thinking that now. If only God had just stopped that. Well, the Bible describes Job as righteous and blameless. He feared God. He shunned evil. And yet, in a moment, Job's world was totally shattered. Like that. Totally shattered. So how do all these awful, all these terrible events take place in Job's life? Isn't, doesn't suffering work like that? Right? When it rains, it just pours. One second you stub your toe, the next second you hit your head, and then the third second you're falling down the stairs. <laughs> doesn't suffering kind of work like that? It just all happens at once. And to make matters worse, what we see in chapter 2, Job was afflicted with boil-like sores. It's graphic. It's gross. That one day when tragedy, that one day when crisis, that one day when trial, 
hits Job in a fleeting moment. If only God had stopped the brain damage. If only God had stopped it from getting worse. If only those papers in the mail hadn't come in. If only it hadn't had happened. And if only God had made himself known. You guys ever feel like God hides from our problems? Well, if you feel that, you're not alone because Job too felt like God was hiding from his problems. Job 9.16 says, Even if I summon him, and he responded, I do not believe that he would give me a hearing. So even here, Job is saying, God, do you even care? God, why are you hiding from my problems? If only God had made himself known. Because one day when Job lost his business, he lost his family, he lost his health, his reputation, his status. He lost absolutely everything. But Job had some friends, though. He had friends. And you know what these friends did? They tried to reason with Job. They tried to explain why there was so much suffering happening in his life. They said, Job, you've sinned against God. Oh, Job, you've sinned against God because of your hard heart. Life is fair because God is fair. Those were Job's friends, and they were trying to convey that trying to explain and reason why Job was suffering. If only God would play fair, right? If only God would play fair. I think we tend to think life works like that. If we are kind, if we are just, if we do well in life, life should work out well for us. If we are evil or rude, life maybe won't work out that well for us. And doesn't the book of Proverbs even tell us that there is a, there's a general way uh, of the universe being overseen by God? God oversees the universe. I mean, so for example, if you jump off a bridge, you're going to get hurt. If you have an affair in your relationship, it will be damaged. There's order in the universe. And the book of Proverbs tells us about that. But you know what Job does? Job protests against that. Job protests totally against that because the book of Proverbs tells us the general way life should work, but life doesn't always work in the general way, right? Yeah. It doesn't always work that way. We sometimes see people doing all the right things, and yet their life is in shambles. And we also see the opposite as well. So my friends, let us not confuse what life is like with what God is like. I'm going to let that sit. Let us not confuse what life is like with what God is like. Because I find comfort in Job's protest. I find comfort in Job's complaining against God, his argument against God, because I too have protested against God. I too have complained against God and argued against God because one day when I was a 20-year-old college student and I received a phone call 
the impact in my personal world. One day when I was on campus, just living an ordinary college student life, and my mom told me I had to get back home immediately. One day when I'm driving in my vehicle, not knowing what I'm going to see in the ICU. One day when I'm surrounding my dad who's on life support with friends and family. That one day when we prayed for a miracle. That one day when we asked God to intervene. That one day when, that one day when, that one day when. If only that hadn't happened. If only that hadn't happened. If only God had made himself known to me, to my family. If only that hadn't happened. I remember hearing colorful comments from people shortly after my dad passed away. And they said things like, Lauren, maybe this is God's will. Lauren, heaven has another angel. And Lauren, maybe all things work together for good. And I remember hearing those colorful comments that actually did more harm than good at that time. If only it hadn't happened. Job chapter 120 says this. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship. Then he fell to the ground in worship. You see, Job's tears, Job's sorrows are not signs of unbelief. And I think someone here needs to hear that today. Your sorrows, your grief, your tears are not signs of unbelief. They're not. Because Job knew nothing of an insensitive, a superficial, praise God, anyhow, response to suffering. He didn't respond to suffering in that way. And if that's you, I want to encourage you, let your tears flow freely. Let your grief out. And then what does Job do? He then falls to the ground in worship. It's not until Job 42 that we see God respond to Job. God speaks and basically starts comparing resumes with Job. God says to Job, you don't like the way I've run my world? Well, Job, where were you when I created the cosmos? Job, where were you when the heavens were ordained? Job, where were you when the sea and the land was formed? Where were you when I created the pastures for the livestock to feed? Job, you weren't there. You weren't there, Job. You weren't there in the beginning. You don't know how I did it. And unless you know a little bit more about the universe... You can't tell me how to run it. And what does Job do? He repents. Job repents. Job is never given a direct answer to his questions. 
He's not told of God's dealings with Satan. (laughs) And he's not told of God's ultimate purpose in permitting what he does. But instead, he's given the one thing he needs. The one thing Job needs. And that is God himself. God himself reached down in the chaos to offer hope to Job. He reached down in the chaos to console Job. He reached down in the chaos to offer Job comfort. Comfort. God loved Job deeply, deeply. And Job, what did he do? (laughs) He came to a place where he was accepting that God's ways are higher than human ways. And God's thoughts are much higher than human thoughts. And that was sufficient for Job. (laughs) That was sufficient for him. And ultimately, the book of Job leads us to the kind of faith where we trust God when the psalmist wrote, though the earth should change, though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, The kind of faith that Job shows us is to continue to trust God even when the one day when moments happen. So if only I would trust God. If only I would trust God. My friends, if we want to move forward in this process of healing, if we want to move forward in this process, we need to believe and trust in what? The first one is to trust in his word. Jesus relied fully on God's word. Fully. He, he staked his life on scripture, especially before the cross. He relied on it. He staked his life. Because a one day win moment will come when you perhaps have nothing. And so what are you staking your life on? Maybe you'll be out of work What are you staking your life on? God doesn't lie and scripture says so. And so trust his word. The second one is to seek his kingdom because after the loss of absolutely everything in Job's life, he makes a confession in chapter 19, verse 25 and 27. I know that my redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Job is saying that no matter what comes against me, I will not be defeated because God himself will not be defeated. Love will prevail, justice will come, and there will be another one day when moment of the king coming. Because one day when Jesus is coming to restore this place. One day when a king will come to rule and reign. One day when we will receive hope. One day when we wait and we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we look for God's kingdom to break into this present one. We look to that hope. We look to that. We just came out of a series, Surprised by Hope. Hope is something we look for in the midst of suffering. 
in the midst of sorrow. And that is what carries us through. It won't always be like this. One day a king will come, he will rule, and he will reign. It won't always be like this. So trust his word, seek his kingdom, and then the third one is believe in his purposes. Sadly, Christianity does not offer us a formula. I know some of you guys like diagrams. Me, not so much. Christianity offers us a relationship. It offers us a purpose. And so God, in all of his mercy, takes our really broken, messed up pieces, and he repurposes them. He makes them new. Because God has had a redemptive plan woven all throughout humanity. So it's not about just getting over your one day win moment. It's not about just getting over it. It's not about just getting around it either. Because God wants to offer you hope to get you through it. That's what God wants to offer you today. You see, one day when I was a 20-year-old college student, I begin a journey of receiving a ton of comfort from his word, from his kingdom, community, from his purposes. And the Lord gave me deposits of comfort that since that one day win moment, I have been given dozens and dozens of opportunities to give away that comfort that I received. Do you see how that works? So you receive comfort and you don't just hoard it for yourself. You don't just hoard it for who you are, but you're able to offer it. And you're able to give that comfort away. So Skip, I want to invite you to come on up. Maybe you're here today and you have had your fair share of one day win moments. Did you know that the Holy Spirit comforted you in your one day win moment so that you could share it, so that you could give it away, so that you wouldn't keep it for yourself. It's difficult to stand up here and unpack the why moments. (laughs) It's really difficult. But perhaps because of the pain that you've experienced, you have capacity to begin giving it away. So we're going to move into a time of ministry right now. And if you're here today and you're right in the middle of your one day win moment. So maybe you received news this week. Maybe you got a letter in the mail. Maybe you're right in the middle of a one day win moment. Something is going on in your world, in your life. And you feel like, God, do you even care? God, are you listening to me? God, do you see what I'm going through? And maybe you're here and you're just at a place where your heart is really hard because of the pain. I want to acknowledge that as well. That maybe you feel like my heart is a little more hard and and a little less gentle. I have bitterness. And, And that's the word that I keep hearing is bitterness. And if that's you, I don't want you to come to church and not receive prayer. 
So I want to invite you in just a few moments to boldly stand. You won't be standing for long. We're going to surround you in prayer. But I feel like this is an opportunity, a sweet moment, a sweet opportunity for you to receive prayer. So if you're in the middle of your one-day-win moment or you're experiencing some sort of one-day-win moment, I want to invite you to stand even now. Stand even now so that you can receive prayer from those around you. And if you know someone in your life that is going through a one-day-win moment, someone that is very close to you, maybe a spouse, maybe a child, maybe a friend, I want to invite you to stand so that we can receive prayer for you and your loved one. Yeah, thank you. For those of you that are here that have received a supernatural deposit of comfort, maybe you can't explain it, you don't get it, but you know that the Lord comforts you and you've received that. I want to invite you now to go stand next to someone and begin praying with them. If you're a vineyard person, that's you, you know who you are, would you stand next to someone who needs to receive prayer, prayer team, staff. Just begin standing and praying with someone, offering Jesus' comfort. Because there is a mystery that I don't think we fully get when we extend comfort to other people. So God, we continue to invite your presence into this place, Jesus. Would your word run swiftly today, even in this moment? God, would your presence comfort us? Would your love fill us right now in the name of Jesus? We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We seek your word. We seek your kingdom. I want to invite you to keep a posture of prayer. Skip is going to lead us into a worship song, but continue a posture of prayer. Don't feel like you need to stand. I invite you to stay sitting. If you want to stand, you can.
want to invite you to all stand together in community. Jesus, we thank you for your comfort. We thank you for the mystery of extending that comfort to other people. It doesn't make sense, but your Holy Spirit is present. Your Holy Spirit is tangible. You care about our chaos that much that you reach down to console and to comfort. Justice will prevail, so will love. Lord, thank you for this sweet moment with my brothers and sisters and our church family together, standing in worship. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming alongside of us. So in your strong and mighty name, the people of God said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.